Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. A cool series loving all the messages coming out of here which is reborn made in god's image and the bible says that we are saved we are being saved and that we will be saved so god has always worked something out is working something out and will work something out in our lives and we're constantly in a state of growth and i found this quote by c.s lewis just kind of on the vein of being reborn being rebuilt you know being restored and it is um, just like a very beautiful illustration of what that's like for all of us um, it says imagine yourself as a living house god comes in to rebuild that house at first, perhaps, you can understand what he is doing. He is getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew those jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of, throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come live in it himself. Like, wow, what a quote, right? If you think about that, he intends to come live in it in himself. So did that kind of scare you or did that, you know, make you excited? You know, so have you like thought about your house? Are you settling for that small, safe little cottage where he has access to some parts of your heart, some parts of the rooms of your house, but you know, you've kept some things away from him? Or are you building that beautiful grand palace where he has access to every room in your home and he has access because you have surrendered those areas to God where he's making the courtyards, where he's, he's making those you know, beautiful uh, places where he is gonna be glorified through because our lives are a reflection of Jesus. And I would say that getting to get to that palace all will start in the process of trusting God for who he is. I think that's an area that God is constantly working out in all of us. And so that's what we're gonna be talking about today. And so for many years, I lived in that small, safe little cottage. And you know, I actually believe that God was, was against me, that God wasn't for me, that God wasn't good, that God wasn't really who he says that he is. And you know, I found in my own journey that when you have an incorrect view of God, then that affects every relationship in your life. So your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, and your relationship with others and with the world. So if you believe that God is not for you, that he is against you, then that means that you have to become your own protector and your own provider. And if you believe that God doesn't love you enough or value enough to protect you and provide for you, then you have to find a way to find meaning and value in some other way. So other, some other external circumstance or other external uh, outside you know, situation, which you know, for me was with people. And that could be with, uh, with accomplishments, it could be with achievements. And so the things that I experienced in my childhood were just like a total setup for 
really uh, living out this reality. And, you know, I, I came from a really broken childhood. I'm not going to go into all of it, but uh, just to give you like a snippet, like, so my parents were both, um, both suffered from drug addiction and they, there was a mental illness, there was poverty, you know, so I had a very unstable childhood. Like to give you just a small picture, one of my first memories was actually um, my mom waking me up in the middle of the night. I was about seven years old and she said, your dad is in the bathroom and he has a gun to his head and he's going to kill himself. So you and your sisters need to come out and beg him to um, not take his life. You know, so that was kind of like a commonplace, like just traumatic experiences and things like that. And so, uh, so of course, what that did is, you know, the spirit of fear came in at a really early age. So I just lived in so much fear, so much anxiety at a very young age. And I also myself got into, uh, you know, just kind of really dark places. So I started uh, partying. I got into the rave scene. Oonch, oonch. Um, uh, do I hear that? Um, and uh, and so I and then I got really heavily into drugs myself, and uh, you know, really just trying to find my value and something, you know, to to find meaning in something and in all the wrong places. And my my experience with God at that point was like with my parents and my like relatives' church, and it was like this really religious church, and. I mean, it was like you couldn't even use musical instruments in the church. Like it was a sin to use musical instruments. I know, worship team. I know, I know. It's like that hurts my heart. But, you know, it was like it was all religion. And all I remember was learning about what I shouldn't do. I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, if I swear, I'm going to hell. Like I literally thought that. Like, And so I just have all these things in my head of like, you know, God, God is scary. And I just remember being terrified of God. And so that was my foundation. And so when I gave my life to Christ at 25 years old, it was a total miracle. And that's a whole other story. But, you know, he, I did give my life to Christ against all odds because he was always pursuing me. And, uh, but he certainly had his work cut out for me. This was the, like a hot mess. And, uh, <laughs> and I was hiding in like a cave of, of like, you know, self-protection riddled with with fear and anxiety and insecurity. And I was really afraid to trust God with the deepest places in my heart because I just felt like he wasn't there for me, that he abandoned me, that he, you know, just forgot about me, that I was forgotten. And so for many years, I was plagued with these questions to God. Things like, why didn't you protect me, God? Where were you when these things were happening? Why did you allow so many bad things to happen to me? Why am I so unlovable that I would be so rejected by so many people? And so the title of my message today is, When Your Why Becomes a Lie. And so today, we're going to draw from the jacked, the old jacked upness of my life, and uh, also in the life of Gideon. And he's one of my five favorite Bible characters uh, because he was just so messed up. But then he, like, it turns out pretty good. So, um, and then we're, so, you know, basically God used him to deliver the entire nation of Israel despite his insecurities and his fears and his doubts. Um, so the, my first point is in my relationship with God. So going from why to who. I know, the, the slides are amazing, you guys. I have my own slide person, my husband. So, yes, he did my slides. Amazing, babe. All right, so 
Uh, in Judges 6, um, Gideon, you know, had actually some really similar questions to God. And to set the stage of what was going on here, so the Israelites were being, like, terrorized by the Midianite people. And, you know, basically they were coming in and ransacking their land, taking all of their livestock, taking all of their crops, taking all of their food. And so they were, like, destroying their land. And they were left to be hiding in caves and dens and strongholds in the mountain, as it says. And, um, you know, this is where we find Gideon uh, in this, this scenario here. He was in a wine press threshing wheat. And those two things don't, do not go together. It would be like modern day trying to put your, your laundry, doing a load of laundry in the microwave, okay? So it's like these two things, you know, just absolutely don't go together. So, you know, Gideon was, his life is out of order and he's in places that he never should have been. And so... In Judges 6, uh, 12 to 14, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where, all, where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So Gideon had already determined that God was not good, that he was not for them, that he had abandoned them, and that they were just like hopeless victims. And how many times do we assign God the same meaning, that when things don't happen the way that we think that they should, when timing doesn't happen in the way that we should, when we suffer from, you know, disappointment after disappointment, you know, when we just, when God doesn't show up in the way that we think that he should, that we determine that God has abandoned us, that he is not good, that he has forgotten about us, that he is not who he says that he is in the, in the midst of disappointment, our wise become our lies. So I remember in my own life, um, you know, I'm going to be, you know, really transparent with you. I remember in my own, uh, my own life when needing to know the why basically held my life hostage for a really long time. And I was in a relationship um, set to be married, actually. I was, I was engaged with a man of about seven years uh, in this relationship, and I found out three months before the wedding that he was living a double life. He was uh, addicted to meth. Go figure, my dad was a meth addict, you know. Hello, cycles, right? And, uh, he, and, I, and uh, he was uh, sleeping with prostitutes, sleeping with men, sleeping with women, just in this really, really dark world. And uh, believe it or not, I was, I was like blindsided. And my whole life like was literally shattered. And so I became fixated on the why. How could somebody that says that they love somebody do this to you? How could somebody look you in the eye? But I, the core question that like was the question was, did I ever really matter? Did I ever really matter? So the reason why it was so important for me to get this question answered is because my worth and my value were hinged on this one person and this one relationship. I mean, what pressure is that, right? So, you know, my, God, my dad basically abandoned me when I was young. He chose drugs over me. So I think in my young brain and subconsciously, I believed like if a man would choose me, then that means I'm valuable. That means that I have worth. 
But I'm telling you, even if I would have heard the words, yes, Jenny, you're totally valuable. Like it would have made no difference because I already had this inner belief, this core belief that I was, you know, worthless, that I was unlovable, that I was not valuable and that I was flawed. And nothing really could have taken that hole of worthlessness in my heart except for God. And so I never got that closure, actually. I never got it. Um, like those words that would like make it all better, these magical words, right? So you know what? I'm really, I'm actually so grateful to God that I didn't because it forced me to wrestle with God. It forced me to like get on my knees in prayer. It forced me to search out the word and to reevaluate everything I thought I knew about God. It forced me to go into that surrender mode and, you know, really stop trying to find my value in other flawed people and giving them that power and control over my life that they never signed up for, they never should have had, you know? And so um, it allowed me to find my value in the only one who could give me that value, my creator. My creator is the only one who could answer that question for me because he's the one who formed me in my mother's womb. He knew me before he formed me in my mother's womb. And he knows the plans and purposes that he has for me. He set those aside for me. And, you know, trying to get the answer from any other source will always come up short. Can I get an amen of that? And so in Ephesians 3, 17 to 19, in the New Living Translation, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how deep, and how, oh, how high and deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Who wants to live in the fullness and the life and power of God? And so I just feel like I need to take a second here because I know that there's people in here who have experienced, you know, injustice and they've experienced evil. They've experienced things that are like, you know, unfair. You know, you've experienced things that, you know, like abuse and, and things that, you know, are incomprehensible. So, you know, I, I just really feel like God wants to remind us today, because this is what I found. You know, again, instead of blaming God, I found in his word that God is not the author of evil. God is not the author of evil. I will say it again, that when Adam and Eve chose to sin, when they chose to take the bite of that fruit, that's when corruption and sin entered the heart of men and women. And that's when separation happened from God. And so that is because, like, we live in a fallen world. Now, that is the reason. It sounds simple, but, you know, this was God, never God's plan. But guess what? God always had a backup plan. He had a backup plan. And so his backup plan was Jesus Christ. From the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, he has Jesus Christ inserted into every part of the story because that is our solution. That is our answer. He always had a plan to reconcile us back to the heart of God, and he did not leave us as orphans. He equipped us with all the tools that we need to have victory over every single situation that happens in our lives. Can I get an amen for that? That's right. And these are some scriptures that back it up, guys. So Jesus says, John 16, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
Jesus also says in Luke 4:18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. In 1 John 1, 5, this is the message which we have all heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. No darkness at all. James 1, 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So let's like take that in. There's no darkness in God at all, and every good gift comes from him. So God is not the author of evil. Let's remember the power of the cross and who God really is. So we are not left without hope, and we were never left without a redemption plan, but we still need to choose to trust in that plan in order to walk in this reality. We have to choose to surrender. And so, you know, it's not bad to ask the question why. If you have kids, you know you hear why a lot because God innately put that inside of us, right? Like, why, why, why? And we need to make meaning, you know, out of things. He, he created a, us that way. But if the, you know, if your unanswered questions uh, or your disappointment sign a, a, assign a meaning to God that is anything other than the truth, then it needs to be replaced with the truth. If the conclusion is anything other than God is good, God is for me, God is with me, God is faithful, God is just, God is, he has good plans for me. If it's any, he is merciful, he is kind. If it's anything less than that, then that is a lie and it needs to be replaced with the truth. Yes. And so, you know, even in the difficulties, even in the questions, even in the disappointments, we can rest knowing that God, the one who is the creator of the universe, is the one who is going to take us through it. So can I get an amen to that? All right. So point number two. So again, if God, if you believe God is not good and he's not for you, then you need to become your own protector, right? And your own uh, person who, uh, you know, is like basically your own salvation. And so my second point is your relationship with self. So going from self-protection to going to God protection. So in Judges 6, 14 to 16, it says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. You know, so here is Gideon, a man who struggled with self-doubt, uh, intimidation. He, you know, was in major fear. You know, he's somebody that was told that he's a mighty man of God, but he's, you know, they're hiding in a wine press. Um, you know, but God had an assignment for him. And, you know, we may not have that big and massive of, of an assignment of like, you know, delivering an entire nation, but each and every person here, if you've given your life to Christ, then you have an assignment. You have a unique assignment. But how many of us Look at our current circumstances. Look at our past mistakes. Look at the sins that we've struggled with. Look at the fears, the families that we came from and say the same thing that Gideon did, that you got the wrong person. You got the wrong man. You got the wrong woman. Don't you know the things that I struggle with? Don't you know the fears that I have? It's no, not me. No, God, like you, you're wrong 
I, I, I'm in fear, I am in doubt, it, it can't be me, and you disqualify yourself. And so, yes, I know the disqualification, guys, because I was the queen disqualifier like for many, many years. And, you know, I lived intimidated. I lived a very small life because, again, I thought that God was not for me. And I was so afraid to take risks because I was like, I didn't feel like God would catch me in the end. And so I, can't, I lived this, like, really safe life. And, you know, I turned down a lot of opportunities. And I, I look at back now, and I'm going to tell you about some of those lost opportunities. So one of them was I was actually making a lot of money, right? And I was kind of like a boss in the marketplace, I will say, I know. And uh, <laughs> now I'm a boss in the stay-at-home momming and pastoring space. But hey, come on. <laughs> So I, I was actually like making enough money to, to be able to buy a house on my own. And I went and like got a realtor, sorry, Teresa and Jonathan Mack, my, my realtors now is before I knew you, but you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I went through the process and I was like, these are the things that were going on in my head. It was like, what if you lose your job? What if something happens? You know, you know what if this, uh, you can't carry that kind of weight. Gosh, that is so much weight to carry. You know, you just, you can't do that on your own. And you know, what won out was the fears. And it wasn't what I would hear now is, you know, if I took you there, then I will keep you there. And if you are like, if you lose your job, then I have something else waiting for you. And you do not have to carry this on your own because I'm carrying this with you. That's the voice I should have heard, I should have listened to. But fear went out and fear went out in another area. So in that job, I was making like a ton of money. And you'd think I would, well, because I was like one of the top like 5% in the company of like in sales. And I was, again, I was just like, I should have had some swagger, right? I should have been like, that's right, you know? And like, I should have been super confident, right? And they kept asking me to go into management. And I was like, oh my gosh, the voices in my head were, okay, they're gonna know that you're a fraud. They're gonna know that you're not as good as you say they think that you are. They're going to know that you just got lucky breaks, that people have just been really nice to you, that you can never manage people. Like, what do you have to say to them? What do you have to offer them? Those were the words that I was hearing. It wasn't, you know, I, I'm the one who promotes. This is what God would say to, to you and anybody here who can relate. I pro, I'm the one promoting you. And if I, keep you, uh, if I take you there, I'm going to keep you there. And, you know, I did not hear that voice. I let the voice of fear win out. And uh, the last thing was in church. So in church, I was at a couple churches before Awaken. And, uh, you know, every single time that the, uh, the monthly serving message was, like, going to be and I knew about it, my seat would be empty somehow. I would somehow find an excuse not to be there. And even if I did hear, you know, like those messages of serving, it'd be like my heart's pounding and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I can't do it. You know, like I'm too busy. And I didn't have kids back then, you guys. And I'm like, how was I busy? I mean, I mean, I, you're just extra busy when you have kids, right? So, you know, I was like making excuse after excuse, but the reality was that I had so much fear and insecurity to step into, like step outside of my comfort zone and let people actually know me because these guys were real Christians, you guys. So if they would have known me, they would have rejected me, right? And so again, fear won out. But, you know, I never know what 
like what those missed opportunities, you know, what would have been like, what if, you know, the people that could have been like led to Christ through, you know, my leadership or meeting people, you know, at the house that I bought or, you know, in the old church that I was in. So I'll never know, but I do know that we serve a God of second chances, that he always has a backup plan, even when we are not obedient. And so Lamentations 3, 21 to 23 says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Yes, we serve a faithful God. And so back to Gideon, our friend Gideon. So this is where God uh, tells him to tear down the altar of Baal and build an altar for God. And this would have been like really uh, scary for him because at this time, the Israelites were actually worshiping the God of Yahweh, but they were also like worshiping the God of Baal at the same time. So this would have been like the whole city would have been up in arms and that's actually what happened. And they, they wanted to kill him actually for tearing down this idol. And so in Judges 6.27, it says, So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. So Gideon was like scared out of his mind, but he did it, you guys. He did it anyways. He did it even though he was afraid. And this step of, of obedience actually unlocked everything for him. This is actually when you see him stepping in to becoming that mighty man of valor. This unlocked the identity that God always had for him, but he had to take the step and he, ha he did it scared, but he still did it and he did the hard thing. And now he's, he stepped into the authority that God had given him. And uh, you know, people actually began to follow him and the, the Midianites began to be afraid of him. So, you know, and I will say the same thing for me, that, you know, what unlocked things for me was actually taking action. And it started with me saying yes to serving. That was one of the keys in my life that unlocked my, my destiny, actually. And I was, you know, so I, I walked into the doors, you know, of Carmel Valley Middle School 13 years ago, and, you know, it was like, there was a lot of opportunity to serve, just like there's a lot of opportunity to serve here at Bayho Campus, guys. Yeah, come on, we're all building something together. We all need you. And, you know, I just kind of felt like, okay, God, I'm so tired of living under this fear where it just controls every part of my life. And so I said yes to serving, and I was so scared, but I said yes to being on the counting team. All right, guys, come on. Why isn't there any cheers for the counting team? That's right. So uh, it's not sexy, I know. But I would like, it was when we had like buckets going around and you know, I'd sneak out and then we would just go count the money in the back. And I probably, you guys, I'm really bad at math, so I probably miscounted. So I am repenting right now. It was never on purpose, but yes, I, I, counted the money and uh, you know and in and each scary thing that I said yes to I saw God come through in the most incredible ways you know so here is a girl who started on the counting team counting money and now standing on the stage as a recovery pastor as a pastor in the most incredible ministry in the most incredible church with the most incredible people I know God is so good, you guys. When you take a step of obedience, like, you have, you have no idea what God is going to do. 
And so it all started with that step of obedience, right? And uh, to stop living small. And it expanded my way, my world in so many ways. And I'm giving a plug out to DNA right now because, yes, that's right. Because we have a, uh, a core value with this church, known, loved, wanted, and needed. And you will learn about that in our DNA course. Because when you, uh, you know, when I stepped into the church, you know, I got known. And then once I got known, I, no, I got, then I got loved, right? So people started to love me. They started to notice, like, if I wasn't there or just wanted to know about my life. And people started to become a part of my life. And then I became wanted. And then I became needed. And I became, became a part of the things that God are, is doing here in this place. And, but it just starts uh, with going to DNA and taking that step and seeing what God has for you. Because for me, again, serving really unlocked so much for me. And now like my best friends are here and you know, my family is here. And so you know, I, you know, it grieves me to know all of the years that I buried my talent in the ground. But, you know, I do know that God redeemed every single missed opportunity, and now he's turned me into somebody who now doesn't live under self-protection, but lives under God protection. So can I get an amen for that? So, all right, my last point is um, our relationship with others, and it's lay down your idols. And in the next two chapters of Judges 7 and 8, um, they'll t these tell about Gideon's victories. Read it, guys. It's really exciting. Uh, but he basically, he basically defeated the like hundreds of thousands of people in the Midianite army with 300 men. So it's just like a really cool story. Um, he, again, stepped into the, the mighty man of valor that God always had for him. And so uh, this resulted in 40 years of peace for the nation of Israel, and he became a hero to the people. Uh, but there is like an interesting twist that happens at the end of the story. So basically, they wanted him to be king, but he said no. And but the, he did have one request, and that was to get have all the people give him ju the jewelry and the gold of all the Midianites that he plundered. Right, so he gets all this gold, and he wanted to make an ephod, a gold ephod, and an ephod is a part of the priestly garment. And it says in Judges 8:27, then Gideon made it into an ephod and set it up in his city Ophrah, and all Israel played the harlot with it there. It became a snare to Gideon and to his house. And so there's not a lot of like agreement among scholars as to the reason why you know he 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 did this right, and so um, and like what his motivation was, but I think we can infer here that he took part of his old life into his new life. That there was a part of that idol worship that he still kept, you know, away from God and he brought it into his new life because it does say that it became a snare to Gideon and to his house. And then the Israelites basically went back into idol worship. And so I know for me that when I gave my life to Christ at 25, I did take a lot of my old past with me and I was not willing. I had those padlocked doors around that area of relationships, um, you know, and I said yes to God, like, I need you in all these areas except this. I got this figured out, God, because I had already made the decision that my solution to the uh, worthlessness and the emptiness in my heart was for, you know, a man to love me. And so I was in the, this relationship still, you know, we actually gave our lives to Christ together. And, you know, I uh, held on to that relationship. And at that point, you know, God was like speaking to me. There was like 
red flags and there was like, you know, um, planes going across, you know, and I'm just like, oh, do do do, like, I'm not looking, you know, and I totally was painting the red flags green, you know, so he was totally talking to me, but I, I will tell you that actually anxiety and um, just my mental state actually got worse after I gave my life to Christ because at that point I was grieving the Holy Spirit because he was inside of me now, but I was willingly shutting down his voice. And so I, that's a word for somebody here, that if you are feeling that, if you're feeling that you are you know, in, a, in more of a state of anxiety, look at that. Are you grieving the Holy Spirit by shutting down what he's telling you? So that's an that's a extra nugget. Um, you know, and so, you know, he was speaking to me, but I refused to listen. And when I wouldn't willingly be giving up or get, give up this relationship, he, in his grace and he, in his mercy, he took it from me. And, you know, I found out that, you know, this man about to be married, living this double life and all of this darkness and my entire world was shattered. But I look back now and I can say that it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was because my heavenly father loved me so much that he intervened. And what seemed at the time that God was like punishing me and that he was being cruel. And once again, God, I can't trust you. But it was actually my father, my Abba father leading me back into his arms. I have this picture of him like, you know, in the olden days where like, if somebody's going to court like your daughter, you know, if you go to their, their house of the father's house and he has a shotgun, you know, and he's like, what do you want with my daughter? You know, and I just, I have this picture of God doing that. Like, what do you want with my daughter? You can't have her, you know, and that my, my, my Abba father was protecting me. My Abba father was protecting me. He wasn't keeping anything from me. He was actually protecting me. But at the time, it felt like my life was over. It felt like pain. It felt like the worst pain and it felt like punishment. So I can tell you that with that pain, none of who I am now could have ever happened. Like the, the authority that I now have, the life that I now, I now have, the intimacy that I have with God now would never have happened without this pain. So don't despise the moments that you don't understand what God is doing. Don't despise those moments because this actually could be where God is leading you in your breakthrough and your greatest moments in life. So I look back now and again, I would never, I actually would never take back any second of that pain, which is so crazy to say, because again, it felt like my whole life had shattered. And you know, it's because I now have the foundation to carry what I carry now. You know, I get to be a wife, I get to be a mother, I get to be a pastor, I get to help lead, you know, an entire ministry. And I never would have been able to do that without stepping into this intimacy with God to try to understand, you know, who I am in Him and allowing Him into every single place in my in the rooms of my heart. And I actually can never imagine like being on a stage telling you like about the victories in my life. I could never have imagined that. So I'm a living example of the goodness of God. 
I am proof that God never leaves us or forsakes us, that he has good plans for us to prosper us and not to harm us, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he can rebuild my life, then he can rebuild each and every one of your lives. So can I get an amen to that? Yes, God is so good. God is so good. All right. All right, church. So actually, this is where I want us to reflect, and I want this to be a time of ministry. So can I have everybody stand to your feet? So I know that there are people out there who have carried the weight of the responsibility of your well-being for far too long, and you're tired, and you know that something needs to change. And my life only changed when I gave my life to Christ. That was the starting point. And there's no other starting point, you guys. That is the starting point. And I wanna give people an opportunity to do that today. So can I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes? So if there's people here who've never given your life to Christ, God is calling you home today. Or if you've once walked with God, but you took your life back because the disappointments and the whys created lies. I wanna invite you to give your heart back to God today. And you know, if you know that God is speaking to you, if you know that he's been whispering to you, your, your heart's probably pounding right now. This message is for you. This invitation is for you. So I'm gonna, sit, I'm gonna do the count of three and I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and be bold. And these are the people that God is calling people who have given their lives to Christ at one point and taken it back, or if you've never given your life to Christ. So on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three, raise your hand. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see hands up here, hands back there. Yes, I see hands over on this side and to the right. Yes, hands going up all over. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of your people today, God. What a beautiful exchange that you get to make. And this is where you get to secure your future and your identity. So I want to pray right now, and I want everybody to repeat this prayer with me, and especially for the people that raise their hands today. So Father God, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, to restore me back to right relationship with you. I invite you into every room in my house to renovate and restore and build a beautiful palace. I repent of my sins. I invite you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I put my trust in you, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's give a hand to everybody that made the best decision, the most important decision that they will ever make. And I also wanna give people, you know, stay in this moment and give people an opportunity to respond to the message today because I know God was speaking to hearts and there's just, you know, just a beautiful touch of God here. Thank you, worship team. And, you know, so if there was any part of this message that resonated with you, for those, 
who you know that you've allowed your unanswered whys, your questions to erode your faith in God. For those who have been living just like Gideon, hiding in a wine press of fear and intimidation. For those who have idols that they've taken from their former life and kept them in this new life. For those who have been living in self-reliance and not in God reliance. And for anybody here who knows that they've just had a distorted view of God and they just need God to come in and renew them and restore this place, this area of their hearts. So if you feel God tugging to you, with you today in your hearts, I wanna pray with you today. So I want you also to raise your hands. And this is a declaration of no longer, no longer enemy am I going to allow you to have this area of my life. So can we raise our hands? If you responded to this message, if you feel like God is speaking to you, I want you to raise your hand. Yes, hands raised all over this place. Thank you, Jesus. So God, thank you that you are a good, good father. Thank you that you are rebuilding and restoring your sons and daughters. I pray that you touch and heal every single person in this room who needs a fresh encounter with your love. I pray that you will give new hope and new vision to those who have a distorted view of who you are. I pray that we will rest knowing that you are a loving, kind, and faithful God, even in the midst of our wise. Thank you that your love and your mercies never fail. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.